Amen. Okay, I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning. If you've got a smartphone and want to use version, you can always pull it up uh, there in your events cornerstone. You have the notes for the sermon. If you turn over on the back of your bulletin, there's also a place for you to make notes, and there's some bullet points there, too. And so it's also good to see Debbie and Danny in the service today. We've been keeping uh, Debbie in our prayers set a challenge with cancer, and it's so good to have them here today. We just continue to pray and believe God's going to bring complete healing to your body, Debbie. We continue to stand with you in that, but it's good to have you in the house today. I can sense the Holy Spirit drawing our study of the children of Israel and their journey to the promised land to a close. So it's not going to be the never-ending story. You've probably been thinking that. When are we going to get? (laughs) It's not the never-ending story. I can just feel him stirring in my heart that we're coming to a close. And I'm expecting in the next few weeks that our focus is going to change. But in the meantime, I know there are just a few more passages that I feel the Holy Spirit would have us to look at and to explore. And so um, we're going to do that this morning. Just as our journey as believers, we've said from the beginning that our journey as believers has paralleled the journey of the children of Israel. And just as that has happened, I believe even more specifically, now listen to what I'm going to say here. I believe even more specifically the calendar year of 2020 has been a parallel. So not just the journey of a believer, but 2020 specifically, I believe, has been a parallel to the journey of the children of Israel. Now, I've had a lot of thoughts about the year 2020, which you can imagine as a pastor. I've had a lot of thoughts about 2020. I have spent a lot of time praying, and I know you have too, and I've spent a lot of time fasting, and I've been spending a lot of time studying God's Word, I've considered the sermons and the prophetic words. I've listened to people sending me email all the time. I'm doing my best to read all of those and to look at all those clips you're sending me. I've been listening to the prophetic messages and words of other ministries because I believe it's important to listen across the body of Christ. And I've meditated and I've just sat in God's presence, just in quiet meditation and reflection, just leaning into his heart. And so my conclusion for 2020 is the same understanding that I have discovered concerning the children of Israel. I feel like the journeys are the same. And this is what I conclude to be the truth. The majority of the children of Israel were fans of God, but they never became followers of God. And I believe that their actions bring evidence to this truth. And I believe that God has designed and intentionally appointed the year 2020 to shake the nations, to define for kingdom purposes who are the fans of God and who are the followers of God. He's shaking people. He's shaking families. He's shaking communities. He's shaking the nations 
to bring this separation. There is a real separation that needs to take place. It's like a line of demarcation between fans and followers. And fans are going to fall away. But followers are going to cling. I've asked God today over our time here to give us eyes of truth and courage so that we can look at ourselves in all honesty to determine on what side of this line do we stand. Now, I'm not even talking today in a message to believers and unbelievers. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to people in the church who have become fans instead of followers. So this is a message for the church, and that's why I'm asking for courage and strength to deliver this message so that we can all look at ourselves in all honesty. Do we stand as fans of God or do we stand as followers of God? Now, I know what you're thinking because it sounds like a repetitive message from some of the same things we've been talking about over the last few weeks. I get it. It is. I've been steadily putting questions to my heart and to your heart. Last week, the Holy Spirit had us ask and examine the position of our hearts, if we're near or if we're far. Today, our question is, are we a fan or are we a follower? Yeah, I believe the Holy Spirit is purposely trying to provoke us. He's endeavoring to provoke us, to wake us up to a total awareness to God's heart for this season so that we can align ourselves with God's priorities. God has allowed us in his mercy and grace a season to follow after our own priorities and our own pursuits. But now there has been a divine shift. There has been a divine shift, and the atmosphere in the heavenlies is charged with warfare. And there are souls, and there are families, and there are communities, and there is a nation that is hanging in the balance. And there's a fork in the road, and there are two paths. And it's time to decide. We're, at, we're there. We're at that place. This is the line. Father in heaven, I love you, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak your heart. And I pray that I stay Holy Spirit close to it. I don't wander out in any rabbit trails or any pet peeves or anything else, but that you purify my heart, that I can speak your truth exactly as you would say it today by the power of your Holy Spirit. And give my friends, give me ears to hear, eyes to see it, and a heart to see Acknowledge and accept the truth. In Jesus' strong name, amen. We've been on this journey with the children of Israel, like I said, for many months. And we've seen, week after week, we've seen that they've had opportunities to grow in faith and trust of God because they journeyed through some hard places. And week after week, what we've seen is them fail. Week after week, we've watched them fail, and they failed because they were fans of God, and they were not true followers of God. 
They failed because they saw his acts, everything that he did, but they never followed in his ways. They saw his acts, but they never followed in his ways. And you know, Jesus recognized that same truth in his ministry. Remember when he fed the multitude supernaturally with that few loaves and fishes that day on the hillside? Well, the next day, they, the multitude came around looking for him again. And you know what Jesus said? You're here for the loaves and fishes. You're here for the act I did yesterday. You're not here because you truly want to follow me. You're here just for what you saw yesterday. You're a fan of what I did. I'm paraphrasing Jesus' words, but I think he's okay with it. You're a fan of what I did, but you're not willing to commit to being a follower of my ways. And I'm telling you the truth by the Holy Spirit. As believers, as believers, we can be a fan of God's actions. We can cheer him on every time we see him move. We can cheer him on for what he did this morning in the altars. We can cheer him on. We can be a fan of his church. We can come into this building every week and we can be present but not present. We can be a fan of prayer. We can call the prayer network and we can ask everyone to pray for our need. We can be a fan of scripture. We can post a different scripture on our social media page every day. We can do all of this. We can be the best fan ever and never become a true follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he addressed this. He said, there's going to be many candidates for best fan ever. But those who followed him would enter by a narrow gate. And those who found that path was going to be few. Few. Like the fraction of the children of Israel who left Egypt. All left Egypt, but few entered the promised land. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will... Of my Father who's in heaven. And on that day, there is coming of that day. And on that day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, hey, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many mighty works, acts, in your name. And Jesus said, but then I will declare to them, I never knew you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I never had a relationship with you. I never walked with you. You never followed my ways. You were a big fan. But you were never a follower. It's the experience of the journey. It's the walking it out day by day. It's decision by decision, choice by choice that determines in your heart if you are a fan or if you are a follower. Now, just in case you're still having difficulty understanding the difference between a fan and a follower, I'm going to break it down for you with some of the characteristics that are reminiscent of the children of Israel and prevalent in the body of Christ today and make some comparisons. And you can just pick your feet up right now. 
clearly, as we discovered with the children of Israel, fans feed on the acts of God. They seek God's hand. Followers feed on the ways of God, and they seek God's heart. Fans are filled with fear, and they're going to default always to negative outcomes. Followers are filled with faith, and they're going to default to trust. Fans are self-focused, demanding, reminding you often of their own rights. Followers are kingdom-focused, and they have already surrendered all their rights. Fans, they're going to live out on the edge or the perimeter. They're going to look for a place to dwell within the church, but on the outlying edges. Followers are going to dwell as close to the center, the heart of God, as possible. Fans are going to murmur, and fans are going to complain whenever they're inconvenienced. Followers are going to count it all joy when they encounter trials of various kinds, knowing that that test of faith is going to provide the steadfastness that they need. Fans are full of themselves. Followers are full of the Holy Spirit. Fans are easily distracted. Followers are easily committed. Fans are spectators. Followers are participators. Fans want revival, but they don't want to reform. Fans, they want to belong but they don't want to serve. Fans want all the privileges, but they don't want to pay the price. Fans want hospitality, but they don't want holiness. Fans want a position, but they don't want submission. Fans gather when things are exciting, but they scatter when faithfulness is required. Fans always want to be there for the wins, but they never want to put in the work necessary to grow to overcome the losses. Now we can all let out a collective groan, ugh. Because we can all see in all of us a fan mentality and fan attitudes in our lives that we've embraced along the way. In this season especially of 2020. Now I know that listening to a message that only points out our weaknesses and gives us no help in how we can change is fruitless. So to help us to see how we can change, we're going to study the words and, and the actions of someone who is a true follower, a true example, a true model, and that is Moses. Moses, the, the true leader of the children of Israel was a true follower of God, and we're going to desire today to mature into true followers. Amen? 
So from Moses, from Exodus chapter 33, where we left off last week, from there, we can glean some characteristics. There are four of them that we'll talk about that we can glean from Moses' prayer, actually, for a conversation he had with God. And this will help us. Number one, a follower. We had all, those stati- all of those characteristics of a fan. Now we're going to talk about a follower. A follower intentionally spends time in conversation with God. Intentionally. Okay? I know you intentionally pray over your food. You intentionally pray at night, but I'm, I'm not talking, we're going to expand out on that a little bit. Sweet Exodus 33 verses 7 through 9. Now Moses, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, All the people would rise up, and each one would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud, remember that was how the the presence of God was shown to everyone during that journey, a visible supernatural manifestation of this pillar of cloud would descend and it would stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses. Now, even though Moses had the responsibility upon his shoulder to lead and care for literally millions, millions, Even though he was the leader of this mass group of people, he still intentionally sought time to be alone with God for prayer. I've heard some moms and dads say, I can't, I don't have time, I got to take care of my family. I got three kids, I got six kids. Moses had the responsibility of leading millions, and yet he still intentionally sought time to be alone with God in prayer. He knew the importance of asking for God's participation in his daily life. Prayer is not an exercise of religious tradition, which we just interject into our busy day whenever we get a spare moment. That's fan prayer. A true follower follower is going to intentionally set aside time to focus fully on their connection to God. A true follower is going to recognize that nothing on our calendar, no one we have an appointment with, nothing on our schedule takes priority over our time for God conversation. A follower is going to guard that time with God and evaluate it above everything else. That's what Moses did, which takes us to number two. A follower is fully defined by their desire to know God and his ways. Know God and his ways. Exodus 33, verse 13, Moses said, Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you. Really, Moses? 
Moses was a man who had seen God act repeatedly from his initial encounter at the burning bush through all the plagues of Egypt, the Red Sea splitting, dry ground appearing, water coming from a rock, manna miraculously appearing on the ground, quail flying in from the sea, the opening of the ground splitting, which we haven't got to that narrative yet, but the ground split open and all the rebellious fell into the ground. Moses had seen all of this. He was a witness to all of these acts and yet it did not fulfill the deepest longing of Moses heart the heart of a follower is fully revealed by these words of Moses saying show me your ways yeah I've seen all these acts but show me your ways that I may know you Show me your ways. And these words echo what we just read in Matthew 7 that Jesus said, those crying, Lord, Lord, yes, you performed all these works or your acts, but I never knew you, Jesus said. I never walked with you. Moses' deepest desire was to know God intimately. And from that intimate relationship, Moses would learn the ways of God so that he could walk in them. Now, Strong's Bible Concordance defines that word way in that scripture as a course of life or a mode of action. So Moses is saying, I want to know so I can set my course of life. In my mode, the way I act, to walk in God's ways means that you set your course of life to respond or to react to every detail, everything that comes in your life. Once you put your foot on the floor, when you wake up in the morning, until you go to sleep at night, every detail or circumstance, every challenge that comes to you, every blessing that comes to you, every test, every trial, in rejoicing or in harm. Hardship. Whatever, no matter what you encounter every day, whatever you encounter, what's going to come out of you is going to be a God response. Because you know him. You know his ways. And this is how God responds. So this is how, as a follower, this is how I am going to respond. This God response comes from our knowledge of God that will flow only from an intimate relationship with Him. This takes us to number three. For this to happen, a follower knows that he is utterly dependent on the presence of God to know and follow the ways of God. This is not something that we can learn. It is not a learned behavior in the natural. This is a Holy Spirit work in our life. Exodus 33, verse 15, Moses said, and he said to him, Moses is saying this to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. This was the day after what we talked about last week, that golden calf rebellion. This is the next day. 
And Moses is stepping in once again to that position of a mediator between God and his people. And he's in conversation with God and he's interceding for the people. The consequence for that rebellion that we saw last week, building that idol, the consequence for the people's rebellion is seen in this conversation between Moses and God because God has told Moses that because of this rebellion and this breaking of covenant that his presence is not going to go with them any longer. But God has told Moses that instead he's going to send an angel before them to assist them in going forward. But Moses knew that even an angel, an angel is no substitute for the presence of God. And so if God's presence was not going, then Moses is saying, just leave us all here. Moses understood that God's presence is essential for following in the ways of God. It's not optional. And Moses knew that his only ability to lead the people was found in the strength of having God's presence with them. And he had learned this lesson in humility the hard way. Because Moses had spent his first 40 years schooled in the courts of Egypt. Remember, he was rescued out of the Nile River by Pharaoh's daughter. And she took him in to be her adopted son, so to speak. And so he was raised up in that culture. He probably spoke at least five languages he would have been given the best education, the best military training in the most advanced civilization that even existed in that time. However, this education and his own personal ability and skills was not enough for him to realize his dream of delivering his people. He knew his true identity. He knew that he was a Hebrew. And he had a passion for his people. And he already had that calling in there to be their deliverer. But he set about to do it in his own way. He tried in his own arrogant strength to deliver. And that led to a murder which sent him running for his life. And so he spent the second 40 years of his life on the backside of the desert tending to sheep. But understanding that even with all the privilege and the education and the training that he had, he did not have what was needed to be the deliverer of Egypt. His grand vision of himself, it shrunk until finally, after 40 years qualified by humility, Moses could be commissioned by God at that burning bush as deliverer. And so from the beginning, at that burning bush, God promised to be with Moses. He even revealed to Moses his own personal name, Yahweh, which we interpret in English as Lord. Yahweh, or I am. And from that beginning, Moses had traveled with God's presence, and he knew it was that abiding presence of God that made the children of Israel distinct from every other tribe and nation. It was because the presence of God was with them. And that if God's presence now was no longer going with them, this journey was over. Today, as a follower of God, we must realize the same, that we are utterly 
dependent upon the presence of God dwelling within us, leading us and empowering us to go forward in this life. We are unable to know God. We are unable to develop an intimate relationship with him. We are unable to know God's ways without the power of his presence, his Holy Spirit abiding in us. And I say today, like Moses, if God's presence is not leading me, then I'm going to camp right here until I find out what I've done to cause the separation and his displeasure. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. So that is clear that our actions, our choices, our decisions can bring sorrow or heaviness to the Holy Spirit for which we need to repent. When the Holy Spirit's presence is silent in our life, then we need to investigate our attitudes and our actions to see where we have sinned and we need to quickly ask for forgiveness because we have done something which takes us to number four a follower is never satisfied with what has been no matter how remarkable exodus 33 and verse 18 moses said please show me your glory Moses made this request of God that would bring him even deeper into this place of knowing God and his ways, even with all the supernatural miracles that Moses had experienced, with all of his numerous encounters and face-to-face conversations. Remember, he went up the journey to the mountain. He lived with God for 40 days and 40 nights. But even with all of these encounters that no man had ever experienced or has experienced maybe to this day. Even after all of that, Moses still passionately yearns to have a greater revelation of God than he has ever experienced before. A follower is never satisfied with what has been. A follower is always passionately yearning for the more. Moses asking to see God's glory is a plea to God to see his divine essence. What that means is Moses wants to see the fullness of who God is. Understanding him fully, understanding God fully will empower us in our pursuit to know him and follow his ways. In closing, let's look at God's response. It's in Exodus 34, 5 through 8, when Moses asked, Please show me your glory. The Lord descended in the cloud, and he stood with him there, and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. That means as he spoke his name, the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, God, merciful, and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity with transgression and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty? 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Revealing to Moses his glory or his divine essence gave Moses a fuller picture of what God's name really meant. What Yahweh, interpreted as e- in English as Lord, really means. And within that name, he's saying, is this. The very essence of this name is his character. This is who God is. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He abounds in steadfast love for thousands, and that means thousands of generations. Forgives iniquity, forgives our transgression, forgives our sin. But it also says here, but his grace is balanced with justice and righteousness. This revelation of God's goodness humbled Moses to a posture of worship. Worship is the only appropriate response when we realize the unmerited love and graciousness that our God has given to us. So to mature and grow from the position of fan to follower, we must intentionally spend time in conversation with God. To mature and grow from the position of fan to follower, we must be fully invested in the desire to know God and His ways. To mature and grow from the position of fan to follower, we must humble ourselves. And we must realize our full dependency on the presence of God to know and follow His ways. And to mature and grow from the position of fan to follower, we must never be satisfied with what has been, no matter how remarkable. As I stated from the beginning of this message, I believe that there's been a divine shift in the heavenlies. And I believe that it's time to choose. And again, I'm not not even asking believer or non-believer because looking across this congregation, I don't know all of you, but my feeling is that you're all believers But I'm taking it up a notch this morning. For whatever time that we have left on this earth, there has been an acceleration. Everyone knows that. There's been an acceleration in times and season. There's been an escalation. And I don't believe that we sit around and just Pray for God to come back. He is coming back, and I know that. He is. But I don't believe that's our posture. In this season, I believe that our posture is to get busy. I believe that our posture should be to realize that we've got this much amount of time, whatever it is, that's all we've got. And we've spent a lot of seasons pursuing our own interest. We've spent a a lot of seasons pursuing our own pursuits. But now we have to be 
intentional, and we have to become a follower where we follow God's heart. This week, I was in prayer, and I asked God, God, what's on your heart today? What's on your heart? And things came into my mind like the virus, and I was like, no, God, that's not on your heart. That's on the heart of men. And then I thought about, you know, the election, and I was like, no, God, that's not on your heart. That's on the heart of men. And I just really began to press in, and I heard the Spirit say that what was on the Father's heart was having his children with him in heaven. He so longs to have his family home. But he's not going to do that until he's accomplished his purposes. You're what's on his heart. His love for you. The place that he's prepared for you. The things that we don't even know about that exist forever and ever and ever. And he so longs for that season to come. But first, there are some things that we need to accomplish Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I think the only response to this, even in my own heart, the only response to this is repentance. Because I know that none of us have been a true follower every day of our life. But I believe that we want to be. I believe that you're here. You love the Lord and you want to be. So what I'm going to just do today is I'm going to invite you to repentance. I'm going to invite you to the altar. If you're comfortable, you can come to the altars up front. If you're not, turn around where you are. Make an altar at your seat. But I feel like we need to respond with repentance to God and asking his Holy Spirit to come in us to strengthen us as a follower of him and move us out of that fan seat into the steps of a true follower. Amen.
sanctuary are responding. Just please continue to pray. I don't mean this to be an interruption on what's going on in the altar, so please continue the music. I just want to speak to the people that have been watching live stream. I just pray that you make an altar right where you are, right there in your home or your car, wherever you're at. And that you would enter into this and would participate in this repentance with us. It's a beautiful sight all across this sanctuary to see people on their knees. God promised in his word that we would humble ourselves and if we would pray, he would always hear from, that he would hear from heaven. He would forgive us. If we would seek him, if we would just turn our hearts to seeking him, he would be found. Maybe you've watched today and you're not really a believer. You really haven't made that decision to be a follower of Christ, to even accept him as your savior. I never like to just assume that everyone is. I do want to pray a prayer of salvation with you this morning. There's nothing magic in the prayer. It's the position of your heart. If you're in this building today and you haven't made that decision, you just want to lift your hand right where you are, then we'll just include you in this prayer. Anyone at all say, I really need to make Jesus my Savior. I need to make that decision. Just pray together today, you that are watching. Jesus, we thank you for coming, for paying the sin debt for our lives. I know there's nothing I could do about that. I know that you are all of my hope. And I thank you for coming. I thank you for leaving heaven, coming to this earth, humbling yourself. You were the creator, and yet you humbled yourself and submitted yourself to your creation. Thank you for doing that. Only a great love that I can't even understand would do that, and I thank you for it. I thank you, and I accept your sacrifice. I accept the blood that was shed that day on the cross to wash away my sins. Cleanse me, Jesus, with that blood. Accept me into that family that's going to be gathered one day in heaven. Accept me. Come, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Help me to live as a follower. If I'm going to do it, I want to go all the way with you. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower every day and every moment. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' strong name. If you prayed that prayer with us, you can contact our office. We have some resources that we want to give you to help you on your way. I just want us to have a corporate prayer together here in this building. You there in the altars, you that are still kneeling at your seat, you can just continue to do that. But I just want us to all pray together in response to what the Holy Spirit has spoken this morning. So we can just lean into him just a moment. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we need you. In the Lenin, me a corridia, sorry, I call. 
This morning in our pre-service prayer, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Lord spoke to us in a tongue and interpretation. And the Lord asked this question, who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? Endeavor to give the message this morning to pierce a little bit further into that. I believe by our repentance, by your reception and your humbling of yourself this morning, you're saying, I am. I'm on the Lord's side. I want to be on the Lord's side. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. After that question was asked by Moses that day, there was a zealousness, there was a passion, that was a, there was a supernatural power that came upon those people. And they acted in a way that, that took great courage. You can go back. I think we talked about it last week. But those people that said, I'm on the Lord's side, they executed judgment. Now, please hear my heart. I'm not asking you to execute judgment. I'm just telling you that because what followed after they said, I'm on your side, was a hard thing. So that's why we need to consider our words. We need to consider the covenants that we're making with God, and we need to be sure that we can do what he asked us to do. And that's the season that we're living in, and I don't want to just keep you long today. I'm just sharing my heart. That is the season that we're living in. The Lord is asking, who's on the Lord's side? Because society is going to have to see a difference. Society needs to see in your life that you are on the Lord's side without you opening your mouth. But when it does come time to open your mouth, that you do speak. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? You that are praying, you can continue to do so and not rushing you in any way. I just want to allow those that need to leave this morning. We're just going to pray corporately together. Father in heaven, and you just pray with me. Father in heaven, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the revelation of your name, that you are merciful, that you are so gracious to us, that you are slow to anger, that you abound in grace and mercy and love for us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, to our children, to our children's children to the thousands of generations. And God, with all of our heart, with everything that is within us, with all that we know, we say today that we are on your, your side. We are on the Lord's side. We are on the Lord's side. We are on the Lord's side. We're on the Lord's side. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and empower us now Come and empower us to live as our words say. Come and empower us to live as our words say. As we say we're on the Lord's side, then empower us to live that. 
Empower us to become a true follower of Jesus Christ, a true believer, to know him intimately, to know his ways, to be powerful, empowered by your spirit, to be courageous, courageous, God, in our speech, in our actions, and in our faith, and in our trust, God, courageous, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I bless this people today with courage. I bless them with courage, Lord, to go from this place to live their life in power and in might of the Holy Spirit, to be salt and light to a culture around us that's crying out for some stability and something solid. God, use us in this day. Use us in this season. God, we want to be a about your business. Jesus said the Father is always working and I am working. So if we're going to be followers of Jesus, then we're going to be working. Empower us to work. Empower us, God, with your presence. Forgive us for our fan attitudes. Forgive us for our fan mentalities. Forgive us for our fan actions. With everything in our heart, Lord, we want to move forward. And we want to follow you. I bless this people with the ability and the courage and the Holy Spirit needed to do exactly that. In their families, in their homes, on their streets, in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, wherever they go. Let your grace be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of God today. Love you all. Appreciate you so much.